certainly thankful for that. I, I believe I've said here before, I have a hard time finding a, a starting place to read. And it seems to get harder and harder. Uh, maybe we'll start in the 10th chapter of Hebrews about verse 38. There's a whole lot that it just, it all goes together. And if you're not careful, you'll miss context and that can be very dangerous on our interpretation of the Scripture. Um, but we'll start in verse 38. Maybe just read these last two verses and then see how the Lord would lead. Maybe go into chapter 11 a little. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now there's a lot said right there that can easily be missed and overlooked. But first, just to think about faith just for a few minutes. And and what what is faith? If you if you look up that word faith in a strong's concordance, you're going to see that is persuasion, credence, or moral conviction of religious truth. So that conviction, that, that's a convincing. So what you've got in faith is that in me I am persuaded. I believe Corey read that Abraham was fully persuaded. Or I am morally convinced down in the depths of my soul of truth, of the Word of God. Now, some would say that every man has faith. And I, I believe that that would be drawn from Romans chapter 12, verse 3. But if again, if you miss the context, you miss the meaning. He's talking there to those that are saved, that God has wrought His work in by His power and by His will. And certainly, all of those have faith. But now, you've, you've, got to, you've got to look at the book as a whole as well. In 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3, Paul's asking the church to pray for him that he might be delivered from unreasonable and ungodly men, for all men have not faith. So this, this faith that he's talking about here... Often in our world today, it's boiled down to, well, I believe, and that's faith. And I believe the Word of God, it answers all of the questions. It'll withstand against all of the lies. James wrote that the devils believe and tremble. They don't have faith, though they believe that there's one God and tremble at that fact. They don't have faith. So this faith here... This is something more than just believing in the head. And so he says in Ephesians, and I know this is a lot of scattered out Scripture, and I hate to do that because we get lost sometimes in that. But in Ephesians 2, that faith, he says, is the gift of God. So this, saving faith. Faith that plucks a man from the kingdom and the authority and the rule of the devil, the kingdom of darkness, 
and would translate them into the kingdom of God, that's not something that I was born with, naturally. It's not something that was in me. I mean, you think about it. Before salvation, were you convinced or persuaded that this was the truth? I mean, I, I was raised up in church, and I would have said that this was the truth. But when it come to putting shoe leather to the ground, I didn't live like this was the truth. I said it. I was taught to say it. But to God's truth is, I was not fully persuaded that this was the Word of God. So it was not in me. You know, you can look at Scripture in Jeremiah. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Paul the Apostle said, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. There was no faith in Paul's flesh. What you find in man is utterly corrupt, fallen, sinful, rebellious, and hateful towards God. There you find mankind today. As a whole, there's mankind. But now this faith that he's talking about here in Hebrews, the just. Now that word just, this is a quote from Habakkuk. It's quoted three other times in the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. So the just, those that are justified, those that God has declared are in a right state with Him. We're going to have to be in a right state with God if we're going to be accepted. We're going to have to be justified. Now that justification, that's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've had ten beautiful chapters of this book previous to this of Him covering the work of Christ that that he done through his blood, that that the angels couldn't do, that that Moses couldn't do, that that Aaron couldn't do, and the priesthood and the sacrifices, all of those shadows of the Old Testament, they could not bring man to a place that he was justified with God, that he was declared as innocent, just, and right with the Lord. But you know the blood of the Lord Jesus... He took away the first. He says that earlier in this chapter. And if we're not careful, we're going to be all the way back there. He took away the first that He might establish the second. God has. It's not by the law or offerings. But man today is justified by the finished and completed work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you wind up with, as we have, a lot of folks that profess faith. They say, that's what James was writing about in chapter 2. A man says he has faith. Well, there's a lot that say they have faith. But according to the Word of God, those that are justified... So could you say it like this? I believe you could, and it'd be right on the money. Those that God has saved. The just, the justified, those that are truly, indeed saved and born again, the just shall live. Now that word shall, I don't know if you've ever worked at a place with safety manuals. I'm sure just about every place has got one. you got shall, you've got should. You know, should's a suggestion. Shall is it's going to happen no matter what. Well, here is a shall. God said the just shall live by faith. 
So when this saving faith abides inside of an individual, their life is going to be changed by the faith that they've received. It's going to be such a case that God comes by with a spirit, with a gospel, and He persuades and convinces a man, and He's convinced so greatly that his life is moved to the persuasion that's within him. And so I believe that's what happened to each and every one of us. I was one, he said, in Sunday school this morning, I thought, well, I ain't going to go up there. And I would have said the same exact thing. I don't even need to go up there. But you know, God come by with the gospel and by the Spirit. And you know what He done? He persuaded me otherwise. And now, the preacher didn't drag me kicking and screaming, but my mind was changed as I back there in my pew my mind was changed from I don't need to go up there or two I've got to go up there or I'm going to die and go to hell God persuaded me by the spirit of my condition and of my need for salvation and you know what that produced because I was persuaded that produced me coming up here See, it was faith that brought me to that. And it was faith, well, that faith was in you. No, faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. That was delivered to me through the Gospel by the Spirit. So look at this fact. Now, this is a fact. Those that have true faith, they'll live by that faith. And let's just say it as it's defined, the conviction or the persuasion that comes from God. Those that God's convicted and persuaded, they'll live by that conviction. You know why that folks can, as he says here, draw back? That word means to shrink, to cower. You know why there's a profession and man draws back from that profession. It's not because they've lost it. It's not because they've sinned out of it. It's not because they somehow didn't have enough faith to get the job done. The fact of the matter is, there was no persuasion of God that was ever present. He says, the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. So that word pleasure, to think well of or to approve. Now them that quit, them that can make some great profession, and it may look beautiful to the eyes of the flesh, but they're able to shrink back away from what they professed to have. They're able to draw back from that persuasion that they claimed and go back to whatever you think or whatever's on your mind. Can you approve of that? Can you say with any confidence, I believe this person is a saved person if they drew back from what they once claimed? No, I tell you what that does. That ruins the credibility of what's said, doesn't it? If I tell you, I don't want to get foolish, but if I tell you that I believe an airplane is causing the earth to overheat and we need to quit them, 
and yet I fly on an airplane everywhere, would you say I'm persuaded by what I'm saying? Absolutely not. You know, because what I'm doing is contradictory to what I say I'm persuaded about. So man today says he's persuaded that Jesus is the Savior, but it doesn't produce anything in his life. Is man really persuaded? Are you, can a man be persuaded that this is the way, that Jesus is life, that the gospel is the means of God to speak to His church and to call to the lost? Can a man be persuaded of that and not be here? Can that be? No, I tell you, if, if they draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in Him. But we are not of them who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So we got two, two different people here. I believe you can see it. You've got one of people that draws back. Perdition means destruction. They're drawing back under destruction from what they claimed with their mouth to have. And you've got another people that by the Word of God, they can't draw back. They're unable to withdraw. Now why is that? It's because God convicted and convinced them by His grace. Abraham was in a strange country, living with a strange people, worshiping idols and all manner of things. And you know what God done? God come by and it wasn't no great oration. It wasn't a great speech. He didn't strike him down with lightning. But God said, Abraham, come out of there. I've got a place I'm going to give you. And you know, there was something there that was great enough to convince him, I'm going to pack my bags. I'm going to load up my wife. I'm going to leave my family, I'm going to leave my idols and I'm going to go with what God has told me. You know what that man was? He was persuaded by what God said. We got a pile of folks today claiming but to God's truth is there's no persuasion and it's evidenced by their walk. We're not of them. Paul says I'm not of them that can draw back. God persuaded me. God delivered unto me by the Spirit and by the Gospel a persuasion that the devil can't talk me out of. Oh, he's a silver tongue. He's a smooth talker. He's subtle and he's a liar. And Jesus said if it were possible, he would deceive the elect. But you know the elect that has been persuaded and has been convinced down in the depths of their soul by God of the truth, the devil cannot move them off of what God has established in their heart. I've been convinced about some things in my flesh, about a doctrine, about what this verse means, about what this chapter means. i tell you what's happened And it ain't... I don't have to look far back. I'm full of errors. I am. But God's convinced me otherwise. And you know what? My mind off what I thought was changed. 
But boy, when God wrote it on my heart, I don't care who gets up and preaches again it. It doesn't matter to me who says that that's not true. Once God convinces a man down in the depths of his soul, he is, as Abraham was, fully and absolutely and completely to the uttermost persuaded by God. So, we're not of them who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So this faith then, there's enough power in this persuasion and in this conviction to keep a man from drawing back under perdition. I'm not adding to. I believe that's exactly what he's saying here. We can't draw back because we believe to salvation. We're of them that are persuaded by God. Now, this is what he's talking about as we get into chapter 11. Okay, so a lot of times chapter 11 is looked at as a standalone and that's all right. But this is what he's speaking about in the leading up to it. So now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So again, let's go back to the Strong's Concordance. Faith is the same. Persuasion, credence, moral conviction. Substance, a setting under. Support or assurance. So you get the picture of a foundation that's founded on bedrock down there. That's something that's setting under, that supports, and that upholds. So what's it upholding? Things hoped for. Now, a lot of times in our world today, hope is really a wish. Well, I hope that it's pretty tomorrow. I'm wishing for that. But in the Bible, that's not what hope is. Hope is an expectation or confidence. So it is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, the proof. You know what evidence does? If I'm making an argument with you and I produce evidence, it's that that's going to convince you. They bring out evidence to the jury to convince them one way or the other. Well, faith is the evidence of things not seen. So think about now how that mankind is with God. You or the world as it stands today... God is not seen in flesh as you and I are today. And this salvation of God, what we say that we've got, you know, that's all invisible to man. Really, it is. It's something that I can't in the flesh now. As a lost man, I can go back and I can see how that I was and how that I thought. And you know, I thought it was just religion, really. Sure. Just go to church and, and be a good person and go through the motions. You sing and you say a little prayer to God and you tell Him what you need. And all of those things, that's, that's acceptable and pleasing unto God. But you know, I could not look past the flesh. I could not see God working in the invisible. And I didn't believe in that. I didn't. But faith came. Faith from God. And faith was the substance 
of things hoped for. So there was then, you've got the doctrine of an eternal judgment. That's not seen today. Mankind is living today as if he's never going to have to pay for anything. He's living today as if there's not going to be a judgment. But you know, God says in His Word, God says there's a judgment coming. And those that are undone and out of the way and rebellious and those that are wicked are going to be cast into a lake of fire that burneth forever and ever. And man man disagrees with that today. But my God, we've got so much Scripture that tells me that there is a literal place that was designed by the hand of God, a furnace of fire for the devil and his angels, and it's there that God is going to cast the souls of those that are undone and lost before Him. That's Scripture. You know what? I didn't believe that. But you know what God did? Something that I've never seen before. I never witnessed it. Still haven't seen it. Still... In the flesh. Never seen any evidence of it. You know what man says in the flesh? Well, when's God going to do something? God's never going to do anything. Man's like Peter said. Why, God, it's that I've heard that since I was a young'un. They've said that for years. And God's never going to do anything about this sin. We're going to go on like we always have. That's what the flesh says. But you know, faith came. God delivered a conviction and a persuasion to my heart. And you know what He convinced me of? I'll tell you that, that I've never seen before. God took that and He said, this is what I'm going to do. And He convinced me so greatly of it. And He convinced me that I was on the way to hell so greatly that I sat in my pew trembling with tears in my eyes, unable to look up. Greg was standing and I was... I remember I could not lift my head to look at Him. What happened there? I tell you, God convinced me of something I'd never seen before and I knew it was the truth. I knew that if I died, I was going to hell. God made me aware of that by faith. See, faith faith ain't in me. I'm not learning to grow it. God delivers this to man. God delivered me that information. The substance of things hoped for. So now, after salvation, you know what I've got? I've got an expectation that when I die, Paul said, for we know when this earthly house or this tabernacle is dissolved, we have a building of God eternal in the heavens. You know what Paul had an expectation? That the moment he left this world, he was going to be with the Father in heaven. And he had an expectation beyond that. That at the end of time, God was going to come back and He was going to raise Him up a new, glorified and sinless body out of the ground. His soul and body would be reunited and eternally they would be with the Lord. Now somebody says something about eternal life. I don't know how you are, but in my flesh I think, Oh God, I can't talk about that. 
You know why? Because that's hard to believe. We're going to die. Nobody's ever seen anybody live beyond 115 years. And you're telling me that I'm going to die and yet I'm going to live forever. You better believe it. You want to know how convinced I am? I am so convinced that I don't care what intelligent man... I don't care what degrees held. I don't care who would argue against me. God by faith convinced me that there was a place after this life that He promised to them that believe the gospel. Amen. Fully persuaded. God did that. The substance of things hoped for. Not things that are seen. He says in Romans... If you see it, why do you hope for it? But what you expect are things that you've not seen as yet. Why, youngs are a bunch of nuts believing in stuff that nobody's ever seen. How do you believe in something you've never seen before? It's by faith. And now listen, that ain't well a blind leap in the dark. That's not what faith is. Faith is the persuasion from Almighty God down in the depths of your soul. I tell you, I may have never seen it with my natural eyes. I never see Jesus with my natural eyes. I didn't see Him suffer and die. I didn't see Him raised from the dead. Why, you're telling me, it's right where Keith read this morning, them in Athens down at Mars Hill, when Paul spoke of the resurrection of the dead, they mocked and they made fun of Him. And you're telling me that a man died and they buried him and he got up. Why, what foolishness is that? Have you ever seen one get up? Never seen one get up. Boy, I sure hadn't either. I was talking to a funeral guy one time. I said, what if he set up? He said, you wouldn't see me anymore. He said, I'd dump his car and run. Because that's not the way it happens. Man doesn't get up. But you know what I am? I am convinced down in the depths of my soul that the Lord Jesus walked among men, that He was God in the flesh, that He gave His life for the sins of man, and that on the third day He got up in victory. I know that because 2,000 years later, God come to me and convinced me of that. God said, Son, that's your only hope is in My Son. This is what I've did. Promise. The word promise, you'll read that several times in chapter 11. If you look that up, it's an announcement. I tell you what God's done. He didn't say maybe I'll get to that down in the future. God announced what He was going to do. He announced it to Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, Eve, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring a child out of the seat of the woman that's going to bruise the head of this enemy. And you know what Eve thought? In just a day or two, she got pregnant and brought forth a man-child. And she said, Behold, I've gotten a man from the Lord. She may have thought, Well, this is the one. This is the promise of Almighty God. But you, you know who he was, don't you? That was Cain. And Cain's going to kill his brother. And he's going to go out away from the Lord. Boy, I bet that hurt their confidence, didn't it? 
It wasn't what she was expecting. But I tell you what she had. She had a promise from Almighty God. Now, can God go back on His announcement? He calleth those things which are not as if they are. So, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is that that is produced to convince me of the truth. You see that? It's not that this is presented to me and I use my faith to believe that, but it is faith that convinces me of that that I've never seen before. Ain't it something? It amazes me. You just think back. If you've ever been saved, you've been there. Think back to what you thought and what you think now and how that God delivered faith to you and persuaded you of something that you still never seen. And yet today, today, Corey, you're willing to build your family on it. Today, I'm willing to build my family on it. You've never seen any of it. Never have. It's a truth. I never have. But God has convinced, convicted, and persuaded down in the heart those that are His. For by it, by what? For by faith, by it, the elders obtained a good report. So if you look, if you look up, obtained a good report, that's just one word in the original language. And it is to be a witness or to provide testimony. So by it, the elders provided a witness or give testimony. It was their faith that gave testimony of what God had done and was going to do. So, I I believe you'll see it as we walk down through this chapter, if we've got time to get anywhere in it. But it was faith that produced the testimony. It was God that brought... I tell you, a man that's saved, he can't help but his life change because his mind has been changed. His heart has been changed. His desire has been changed. Who that that man is has been redefined, reformed, and recreated by God, and he can't help but change because God has persuaded him. God has changed his mind and persuaded him of the truth of the Word of God. For by it the elders obtained a good report through faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the Word of God made everything that you see? How do you believe it? Did you see that happen? You got any intelligence out in the world willing to tell you that that happened? No, you know how that's not seen. It's unknown. But I tell you by faith, 
by God convincing a man and convincing his heart, he can go to Mars Hill and stand among the Epicureans and stand among the Stoics and stand among the highest educated people on the face of the earth and he can say, listen here, this God is the one that's in control of everything. You know what Paul said? Paul said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, I persuade men. Paul labored to get the gospel out because Paul knew who God was and the judgment that was soon to come. That the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were made not, were not made of things which do appear. So now think about that. What you see, you've never seen what made any of it. This piano, that's man-made. You can see, you can go to the factory, you can see man, you see how they make that, you can see them put that together. But I tell you, the, the creation, the worlds, you've never seen what made those. It was unseen. So listen now. Listen to the next verse. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. We may never get out of this verse. But Cain and Abel we're all familiar with that account in Genesis of the first two brethren born on the face of the earth. How that Abel brought, and Abel brought a sacrifice. It was a lamb of the first year. And he offered it on the altar. He took its life and laid it there. And God approved of Abel's sacrifice. And Cain brought the fruit of the ground. And he laid that. And God did not accept what Cain had brought. And now... In the flesh, you think, well, that's just not fair. Why would God approve of one and disapprove of another? Well, we've got right here that what brought Abel to bring that lamb and offer that to God was faith. It was by faith. Abel was convinced that God was going to accept nothing else other than blood that would be shed. He tells us later on in the law, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Well, Abel, there must have been a revelation from God, whether it was to Adam and Eve. You know, you remember when they were naked in the garden, God slew two animals and covered them with their skins. It may have been right there that God said, listen, for sin there must be blood shed. By the law, your blood is supposed to be shed. You're supposed to die for your sin. But will I'll allow this sacrifice to be made? for your sin there and I'll allow you to be pardoned. So Abel brought what God commanded and he brought it by faith. A more excellent sacrifice by which he obtained witness. So there was testimony given. Now, now who's going to testify? 
Well, Abel's going to test. There's a lot of that goes on today. What man says, that's accepted as the truth, as the gospel. Well, if they say it, who are you to judge? And who are you to back up on it? Who are you to question? You don't know my heart. You don't know what I think. You don't know how I really feel. I tell you, this ain't Abel testifying. He obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. You know what God did? And now I I think back now to the Old Testament and here they are laying it on an altar and maybe what it was was he laid his sacrifice up there and the fire of God devoured every portion of that sacrifice that Abel laid and when Cain laid his up there there was no fire that devoured it. It laid there. And you know what that was? That was God saying I have accepted what Abel has brought to me. And I've rejected what Cain brought. Now Cain gets angry. God says if you do well, you can be accepted too. You know what you're going to have to do? Come by the Word of God. But ain't it something? Now they're brothers from the same mom and daddy. One of them's persuaded and the other one's not persuaded. To the place that when God reproves him, he thinks in his mind, I'll kill my brother and God will have to accept me then. Boy, that's corrupt thinking, ain't it? How could they, how could they have gotten that different? What was the difference between the... It was faith. God convinced Abel. Cain was not convinced. And Abel, because he was convinced, you know what that did? He came and brought what God asked for. Cain wasn't convinced. You know what he did? He did what he wanted. See, the difference is the faith. And God bore witness, and by it, by what? By the witness of God, he being dead. Now, I don't know how long Abel's been dead. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 6,000 years would be the educated guess of man. 6,000 years later, Abel is still speaking to us. Because he was persuaded and did as God commanded and his faith, here 6,000 years later, there's a message in that unto us. By faith. Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now we can look in the Old Testament. You're going to see that he walked with God. You're going to see that Enoch was a man that was different from all the others that were on the face of the earth. You know what Enoch had? It was by faith. It was faith. See, the, the, the thought and the focus on works and what I do, that's putting it in the total wrong place. You know how Abel offered the right thing? Faith. You know how Enoch walked with God in a time of evil? Faith. Do you know how Abraham is going to come out of his home country? By faith. Do you know how Sarah is going to conceive? By faith. Now here's a woman that's 99 years old, or a man that's 99 years old. Here's Sarah that's 90. She's been barren for her whole life. They've tried, never had a youngin. 
She's 90 now. Not only is she barren, but she's out of eggs. She's beyond the time that she can bring forth a child. And God comes by and says, listen here, you're going to have a baby. 99-year-old Abraham and 90-year-old Sarah, you're going to have a son. It's not going to be from Hagar. It's not going to be from another woman. But Sarah, you're going to be the mother of a child. Ben laughed when I said it. That's exactly right. She laughed too. How can you believe something that foolish? i tell you what Abraham did. He was so persuaded that he banked everything he had on the promise of Almighty God. He banked everything that he had. And you know what God did? God came through on the promise. God delivered what He told Abraham. And you know who looks like a genius? I tell you, we look at Abraham and say, my God, what a man that Abraham was that believed in this impossibility. And a lot of times we overlook the fact that the reason Abraham believed it was because God persuaded him of it. The book says it was against hope. There, There was no hope there. But against hope, the thinking and reasoning of the carnal mind, Abraham held on to what God said. He believed it. He was persuaded. One more verse and I'll stop. And I realize I just pretty well skipped over Abel and Enoch there. A lot more in that that could be said and brought out. But what I want you to see here is their lives and their actions that was produced by the faith the conviction, the persuasion that God had given them. Why can't they draw back? Because they're now persuaded by the hand of God. Why can people draw back? Because they've never been persuaded. Listen to the next verse. But without faith... Now that word without, this makes a great difference to my understanding, but I'm just simple. The definition of without, separate or apart from. So instead of saying, but without, I'm going to read the definition of it. I'm not trying to change the book. Let's just read it by the definition. But separate from faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So separate from faith, How's a man going to come to God? By the book, any way apart from faith, it's impossible to please God. And man now, man says, well, I have. I believe just what you said, Scott. I have done. I have did. I have been. I have went. I was baptized. I made profession. I've done all of these good works. I've been a good person, been a good daddy, been a good mama. I've been to church. I taught Sunday school. I've done all of these great works and that's going to help me to approach unto God. Let me tell you this, apart from God, condemning you down in the depths of your soul and delivering faith unto you, it is absolutely impossible to please Him. 
You know why? Because our works are corrupted by sin. If you come to my house, we keep a, a reasonably clean place, but if I'm cooking you supper and it's a ribeye and I go to flip it and I flop it in the floor and I scoop her up and put her in the pan and say, I, it'll be all right. I mean, it just touched on that one spot and there's all the rest of this good meat on there. You, you're going to accept that. No, it's corrupted, ain't it? It's, it's been in the floor. I ain't going to eat it. I wouldn't feed it to my young'uns. Wouldn't give it to my wife. Sure wouldn't give it to you. And you know what we are? Here we are. Here we are and the God's truth, whether you'll ever admit it or not, you carry around a corrupt mind filled with sinful thoughts and desires. You think hateful towards other men and other women. You, you desire wickedness and sin. Your flesh desires to rebel. You're corrupted by sin. And you think you're going to come down here and God's going to pick up your steak off the floor and eat it and accept it. It ain't going to work. My stake is corrupted. My offering is corrupted by sin. But thank God this. I tell you, thank God that there's an offering that's never been corrupted by sin. There's an offering that never did hit the floor. The Lord Jesus came and He lived sinless and He offered Himself unto God. And if I'll come by faith, by the conviction of God down in the depths of my soul, God will throw my stake in the garbage and say, I'll accept you for the offering of my son, Jesus. Man today is acceptable by one thing, the merit and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And outside of Him, it is impossible. What's impossible mean to you? If I say I'm going home and I'm going 240 to get there, you say you can't go that way. It's impossible. Something's happened. I, that, what that says to me is something's happened and there's no possible way. There's no means for me to go home going that direction. Well, that's what God is telling us. Outside of God persuading a man in his heart, man cannot please God. And man will never be persuaded and believe to the saving of the soul. Though I try and perhaps do talk you into the altar. Though I can shame you into making a profession. Though I can take you to the baptizing hole and dip you under the water. You know what's going to happen? I've seen it over and over and over again. You have too. You've seen that happen. And you've seen six months go by. What happened? Why well, they started so good. But they were never persuaded, were they? Why can't you? Ron, why hadn't you went to the house? Why can't you? Why can't you go to the house, Corey? I tell you, God persuaded me. And I, I believe that for my family, it's better for me to drive 
an hour to be at church with you folks over here than it is to drive an hour and go to Dollywood and enjoy the day. You know why that is? Because God convinced me of what I was and what He done for me. You know what our people need? They don't need me to go talk to them. They don't need the church to convince them. They need God to convince them of their condition. And when God persuades them, they will not change their mind. Somebody smarter than me will come by and convince you different. But boy, when God convinces you, there's not one that can back you up on that. That's all that's on her heart. Anything on your heart you feel like you need to do, we'll stand and come to order. I want you to be free to do however the Lord would lead you to do.